Coming to you from the Forge of Freedom studio in the heart of America, a podcast dedicated to preserving freedom and inspiring personal success. Freedom is born and lives through you, the individual, and it dies in the shadows of tyranny. Motivating our listeners to become well-rounded, freedom-minded people with the body of an athlete, the mind of a stoic, and the spirit of a warrior. The Tree of Liberty lives on through you, the Forge of Freedom. And now, here's your host, Alex Uli. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 77 of the Forge of Freedom. Today, I've got attorney and firearms instructor Mike Uli back in the studio. Mike, welcome back to the show. Hey, Alex. Good to be here. Uh, Today, for Monday, Gun Day, we're going to be talking about books that we recommend regarding firearms and self-defense. But before we get into that, uh, Mike, I think there was a few few things you wanted to mention, uh, just sort of news-related items that you wanted to to touch on before we get into our our book recommendations. Yeah, I I just wanted to talk a little bit, kind of, you know, a lot of... I'm sort of a serial watcher, I think, of YouTube, and um, sometimes I, I get uh, um, fooled by these breaking news stories all the time. But uh, and I avoid the uh, which take, aren't breaking at all. They're you just take the way, bait, yeah. I take the bait and watch the stuff when there's really not much breaking going on. But I thought it was important maybe to talk a little bit about the news, a news item. I think it was this week, maybe last. Um, and it's really not so much about the news, but it's about preparedness and kind of being ready and firearms and and that sort of thing. And it, it uh, goes back to the uh, Nashville school murderer. I think it was Covenant Presbyterian School. Covenant. Covenant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in Nashville that happened, I believe, in was earlier this year, March. Does that sound right? The exact dates aren't aren't, aren't terribly uh, important for the point that I want to make anyway, and that is that I think this last week or so, uh, what's his name, Crowder, what Stephen Crowder uh, released what was purportedly a portion of the manifesto of the school murderer down there, and I'm not going to repeat her name, um, but she purportedly had some manifesto, and for reasons that I, she sounds like if, if you believe that this is part of her manifesto, and I do. I haven't I haven't seen anything to the contrary. Yeah. It, it looks like it looked like the officials down there were scrambling to figure out who had leaked it. Yeah. Uh, but there was no effort or information I have seen to suggest that it wasn't legitimate. Well, I haven't listened a lot to a lot of Steve Crowder's commentary on this except what he did and his crew did to verify that this was legitimate. So uh, take it for what it's worth. I mean, I personally have an opinion that it's legitimate, uh, The portion, a portion of it. And once again, this is only a portion. Uh, number two, I think the telltale sign that it's probably legitimate is there are like seven Nashville police officers that were put on, I'm not sure what the technical uh, uh, status is, like put on not probation some sort of leave or yeah, some sort of leave or something so that tells me that the nashville police department probably more likely the mayor's office validated that this is in fact authentic um for in my mind um and and by the way i'll mention when we go into this um the nashville police i think did as well as police can do with respect to their uh reaction to the this mass murder that occurred at this school in nashville so kudos to them for the reaction that they uh, that they made and what they did. And now it's a shame that uh, some of them may, be, may have administrative 
um, action taken against them. Maybe who knows what's going to happen um, as a result of trying to get the truth out. And I'll leave it to your viewers to our listeners to um, think about why the government didn't want us to see this manifesto. And I'm not going to talk about that's another story. But here's what I want to talk about just a little bit in the manifesto. I've got one page in front of me and it's a little bit difficult to read, but I thought I would mention a couple of things here. And keep in mind, I mean, I praise the police for their reaction here and I, I, I should know this, but their reaction time was pretty fast, but it's still several minutes before they were able to react and get to the school. It still supports the proposition that you are your own first responder, because even when police act in one of the best ways possible. These these are exemplar uh, police officers that responded to this incident. They still can't be there uh, in seconds, or in uh, they can only be there in minutes when seconds count. Yeah, even Superman can't get there quick yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I want to read a little bit about this, and then I'll kind of come in a circle and tell you my my point about this. So this is the this is this mass murderer, um, and she says, and I'm reading not the whole thing, just parts of this. But she says, I'm a little nervous, but excited too. been excited for the past couple of weeks. There are several times I could have been caught, especially in the summer of 2021. Uh, none of that matters now. Uh, I'm almost an hour and seven minutes away. Can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. That's one of my points. And she was counting on the fact that the victims there would not be ready for the attack that she was about to per perpetrate. And in fact, when she arrived, one of the first things she did, according to her manifesto, was to check for security. She she wanted to, to make sure that there were no security around. Yeah. And she had support, purportedly, if you believe the press, had staked or, or had talked about a, another uh, mass murder somewhere else that, you know, and I don't know where that was at or anything about that. But uh, my suspicion is, she may have avoided that one for reasons that she was seeking a softer target. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but she said, I can't believe that I'm doing this, but I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. Mm -hmm. And then she goes on and says, my only fear is if any, anything goes wrong, I'll do my best, blah, blah, blah. And then she talks about God, let my wrath take over my anxiety. Uh, and it, she says it might be 10 minutes um, 10 minutes. Basically, she's saying right, that she's 10 minutes tops. It might be three to seven. It's going to be quick. I hope I have a high death count. And then she goes on. So here's my point. Um, like you said, you're your first, you're going to be the first responder. Um, and we don't expect kids to do that. We don't expect kids to do this, but I want to make this point in Indiana and Alex, we had a, I think we did jointly. Maybe you did. Back earlier this year, this is just Indiana. We we passed a statute. You can go back and he's got it up here for us. Episode twenty one, and it's about a statute that was passed in Indiana that provides funding for schools and school boards to arm teachers. Okay, um, those teachers would be right there. You don't have to wait for the the Nashville police to show up or whatever police department. Um, but this was passed. It provides funding and it provides standards, training standards, training standards. All that school boards and administrators have to do is make the decision that they're going to protect kids from evil murderers like this one who know that they're going to have, what did she say? It might be 10 minutes. It might be three to seven who know they're only going to have a few minutes before. Guess what? Somebody with a gun shows up and stops them. This person was not well-trained. 
Um, usually it's over when somebody with a gun shows up. Um, and I, I guess what I want to say is if you're a school board member or you're an administrator, even if you're a parent uh, in one of these government schools, and you know from listening to podcasts, we're not necessarily big government school fans, um, but I think you're derelict in your duty if you don't thoroughly examine the statute and um, you better have really, really good reasons in my mind for not availing yourself if you're in Indiana of this statute. Uh, because I think you, if it ever happens, you need to look in a mirror because you're going to be the one respons responsible for what happens in that three to seven to ten minutes. And I'll link to the to the episode, episode 21, where we talked about this statute here in Indiana that provides, like like you said, Mike, funding and training standards uh, for schools that want to allow their their teachers to be armed. Uh, and the training is very thorough training. It's training that would equip the teacher beyond what a police officer receives at the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy before they uh, go out on, on uh, you know, regular patrol. Yeah. So these teachers are going to be better trained than probably the average. They will patrol. be. Well, they I mean, uh, they but, will be for the task that they are expected to uh, complete or, or yeah, for, for, for school security for for that particular task. If you compare government training, the only reason I hedge on that a little bit is it's possible that officers go out and get training on their own. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. Uh, in all likelihood, that's going to be the case. They're going to be better trained, better equipped to handle mass murders like this one that that uh, showed up it, in Nashville. It, it, but let me back up. I'm, I'm comparing to an officer that comes right out of the academy. I understand. Yeah. So not, not officers in general, but officers that only go through their training at the academy will be less well-equipped than a teacher that goes through the, the mandated training in Indiana if the school board avails themselves of this statute. Yeah, and we don't mean equipped in terms of just the hardware or the firearms. Yeah. We mean equipped in terms of their training and ability to react to one of these mass murder situations. So, you know, I think it's, you know, if you care about kids and you're on a school board and you're an administrator in Indiana, maybe you've already done it. Kudos to you. But you better come up in my mind with some really, really, really good valid reasons not okay. to do this. And guess what? There are none. Uh, there, there, there are none. There are none. But uh, John Lott, we've talked about him quite a bit from CrimeResearch.org or Crime Prevention Research Center. Uh, there has never been a school shooting at a school that allows their teachers to be armed. Yeah. And here's another thing I'm going to tell you. So many school administrators and local sheriffs – they're really into getting school resource officers. That's great. Get a school resource officer. I'm not aware. Maybe one has stopped a a, a murder somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, I always think about the, what's the one, Park? Uh, Parkland. Yeah, Parkland down in uh, Florida, Florida. Uh, where the school resource officer that I'm thinking about was not effective at all. Um, but anyway, um, I, I don't know what the statistic is, but um, whatever it costs to put, and I don't care. People talk about grant money. It's not free. Grant money is not free, folks. It has to come from somewhere. They're taxpayer dollars. Yeah. And it's not the government's money. Yeah, it's not the government. It's your money. But whatever it costs to put in a school resource officer, um, whatever that number is, and I don't, I shouldn't be better educated. I knew at one time, whatever that is, you can train like 30 or 40, um, teachers, um, for the price of that one school resource to, to this high standard, to this high standard, which is probably going to be to a higher standard than 
the school resource officer that's into the into the school. Now, I don't mean that as a diss on those school resource officers. So as school board members, if you're listening, if one of you is listening, you're committing malpractice, in my opinion, if you don't look into this and do something about it. Um, and, and there's a lot more to say about this topic for, for sure. And we went into it in a, in a bit more depth in episode 21. So I'll certainly link to that in the show notes and encourage our listeners to go back and check that out if they haven't already and share it. Because frankly, not only do we want schools in Indiana to avail themselves of this statute, but we want other states to pass statutes like it, or at least uh, for schools to, to understand the sorts of concepts that are important to protecting their school. Because Armed teachers are by far the most effective way to protect the children. Yeah, and I want to make just one more point about this. Even if you only if, if you implement such a program, you can keep the teacher anonymous or teachers anonymous. You may only have one teacher, but the fact of the matter is these murderers, like the one that showed up down in Nashville, they don't know if half the teachers are are trained and armed. If they all are, if one is, they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. They don't want any resistance. These people are cowards for the most part. Yeah. So anyway, and also from an individual standpoint, it means, you know, think about it. you're You're still your first responder. You need to have a firearm. You need to be trained with that firearm. Not that, and we're not advocating government standards for training. We're advocating real, earnest, legitimate training to mm -hmm. be able to use that firearm. You need to have some skills in first aid and you need to be able to, to use those before first responders get there in that seven to 10 minutes, wherever you're at, and well, maybe longer. Well, and Mike, I think that's a good sort of prelude uh, or segue into the topic for today, where we're going to talk about books that, that we recommend for folks uh, who want more information, quality information on the right to keep and bear arms, on self-defense, on mindset and preparedness, uh, all those sorts of things. You've got quite a stack here, and you can't see the whole stack on the screen here, but he's got a stack of 10, 15 books here. Well, you're telling everybody I have to have the books because <laughs> of my advanced age. I can't remember well, the books. I've got my own separate stack here as well, so we've got uh, quite a reading list here for you. But the reason we're, we're covering this topic today is you know, Christmas is coming up. And if you or, or someone you know, uh, you know, is looking for is interested in this sort of uh, topic, and we wanted you to have a easy access to a book list uh, with great resources. So, I guess Mike, just to start out, where, where do you want to start? Uh, we've got quite quite a few options here. Which one do you want to mention first? Well, and some of these we've talked about before, but we'll mention them again. Yeah, and I thought I'd just talk about maybe a little bit, mention a couple of history, kind of history books maybe more than anything and sort of the gun control Second Amendment stuff that I think is both good reading, both books that are good reading that we've mentioned before. Uh, and we're going to sound like uh, Stephen Holbrook groupies or something like that. I don't know. But one of the books that he puts out, uh, The Founders of the Second Amendment, Origins of the Right to Bear Arms. That's a good book if you want just a – it's backwards there while people see it. Oh, it's right, it's, right. it's mirrored right. correctly, okay. yeah. So I'm technical novice <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Stephen Holbrook's book there. Uh, also, Gun Control in the Third Reich, another great book. And I'm not trying to say that everybody's a Nazi that we're, you know, in, in the political left in this country, but it tells you, it, it, it describes what happened in pre-Hitler Germany and how a lot of those laws, some good intention, some not so good intention, were used when the government did turn sour and did turn evil in that country. So those are both great books to read. Uh, if you've got too many people have them, the government will probably try to outlaw them. But if you've got a wood stove or a fireplace somewhere, it's a good thing. You know, maybe you can get in front of that this winter and read those. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to mention before we move on from Stephen Holbrook, uh, obviously I, I had him on the podcast 
a few episodes ago regarding his book, uh, America's Rifle, The Case for the AR-15. That's also uh, more of a history book, also kind of a philosophy book, and we actually discussed that a little bit in the book, not just the the where does the right to keep and bear arms come from, but but why and the philosophy behind it, the philosophy of self-ownership. Uh, so he's a great – he's actually got a uh, – advanced degrees in philosophy and history. So he's, he's really interesting. And he's an attorney. An attorney that's argued before the U.S. Supreme Court. So he's a very interesting and compelling writer for, for those reasons. Uh, but if you read the Founders' Second Amendment, Origins of the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, that book is very relevant to what's going on in the courts these days. Uh, obviously, with the Bruin decision from June of 2022, the courts have shifted their attention to the history of the Second Amendment, the history of the regulation of the Second Amendment uh, and or the individual right to keep and bear arms. And I think if you read his book, you'll have an excellent foundation to understand the sorts of arguments that are going on in the courts. I, I would I listened to what was the. Uh... The case Rahimi uh, last. Let's see. This is Sun. Yeah, last week. Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, I, I wish that uh, perhaps some of the justices had read <laughs> Stephen Albrecht's book about the history. But anyway, right. I digress a little bit. But his other book, the AR-15. What's it called? Uh, AR. America's Rifle: America's The Case Rifle. for the AR-15. And I'll link to that in the show. That'll notes become as well. relevant if you want to understand what will probably end up at the Supreme Court, and that's one of these quote assault weapons, end quote, banned cases from Illinois or somewhere else, maybe the one that the atrocious decision that just came out of the Seventh Circuit. So that's a good book to read as well to understand some of the context. Yeah, exactly. And I'll do my best, by the way, to link to uh, the Amazon link for all these books in the show notes as well. So uh, if you want a reference for for these, you can look at the show notes for this episode. Uh, The next one's Mike. Looks like you've got... I'm going to talk about these first. Okay. So now we're going to shift. I'm. I'm shift. You want to talk about one? I don't want to. Hold no, it. I'll. I'll see Go what. You, no, I'll see what you cover, and then I'll. I'll fill in with a few at the end. All right. So, I'll kind of shift to, um, kind of the you know the history of the Second Amendment and the what's going on in the legal system right now to, basically preparing preparedness and making sure that you know that you're trained and you know what you're doing. You know, we said get a firearm. Don't dwell over that. You know, get a. A nice good Smith and Wesson, a good Glock of nineteen, or a Smith and Wesson M&P, or a Smith and Wesson Shield, or something like that, and learn how to use it. Okay, how do you learn how to use it? You seek training. Um, one of the ways, one of the things you can do is also read, uh, but you actually need to go out there and train as well with the competent trainers. But one of the books that I think is great, a great book, the NRA. If you don't know, and I've, we've got problems with the NRA now with its current leadership and what's going on. Uh, there was some good news to report that you had. Uh, with respect to one of um, the elections that are coming up for the NRA, but that's right. There were four. Well, Jeff Knox was on the show uh, several episodes ago. I think it was episode 64. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to link to that as well if I can. But he was running as a reform candidate along with three other candidates, uh, candidates that were uh, out, outspoken, publicly outspoken about the problems with the current NRA board, the current NRA leadership, and are hoping to reform the NRA because uh, even though the, the NRA is sort of in the in the dumps right now, I think that the, the a strong NRA going forward is important, and, and so do these reform candidates. Well, they had to collect uh, enough signatures to get on the ballot for the election. So uh, earlier this week, or last week rather, we learned that they did, each of the four 
candidates, reform candidates did get enough uh, signatures to get on the ballot. So uh, it's the, I've never heard of four petition candidates making it onto the ballot. So that was fantastic news, especially since they are people who care about a strong uh, functioning NRA that acts in the interests of its members. Yep. So one of the things that I want to mention then is the NRA NRA brought that to my mind um, is they have, uh, there's lots of NRA trainers out there that train on just a wide array of subjects, but the NRA has been in the training business since right after the end of the civil war, believe it or not. And they've got, they've have a long and uh, very good history in terms of training publications and training um, books. So um, one of the books that I think is an absolutely great book, and this is an old version, it's Spiral Bound, which is what I like better. The new one's bound with glue or whatever. Um, but this, the NRA Basics of Pistol Shooting is a great, great book. Now, you're not going to be able to get this book, I don't think. Off, maybe you can buy it off Amazon, but it'll be absorbent at price. You're going to have to take the NRA Basics of Pistol course to get this book um, in all likelihood because uh, I don't think you can buy it directly from the NRA, but it is worth the cost of an NRA basic pistol training course just by itself. And this is more about uh, safety and the mechanics of a pistol and, and the different types of, of pistols out there, whether it be revolvers or semi-automatic. But it's a great foundation. A lot of people, I think, think of an NRA guide and they think, oh, it's going to be too basic. It is basic. But uh, I guarantee you, I don't care how long you've been around guns uh, or how much training um, you've had, you're probably going to read that and learn something no matter what your your level is. And if you're truly a beginner, uh, it's a great, great, great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What you got next there? Another too? book, you know, if, if folks have listened to our, you can see all my notes and stickies and stuff, but it's Tiger McKee's The Book of Two Guns. You know that uh, if you've listened to these other episodes that we have, that we did a lot of training with Tiger, thought an enormous amount of him, respected him enormously um, for lots of reason, but Lots of reasons, but uh, he was a disciple. Was a disciple of I think Clint Smith and Gunsight. Uh, so his book is a great book, and it's the Book of Two Guns because it's about the 1911 pistol and the AR-15, uh, two subjects that he was incredibly competent on and a great trainer with. And uh, this book is sort of unique in that it's his notes a lot to a great extent. It's just his notes and his handwriting that talks about the different different things you should know with respect to a 1911. And by the way, most of the things regarding a 1911 that he puts in here are applicable to even modern polymer pistols as well. And there's also a lot of training um, information here with respect to the AR-15. I'm only sad to report that we can't train with with Tiger anymore. Yeah, he uh, unfortunately passed away um, several months ago and uh, it's an incredible loss to the to the firearms training community and, and to to freedom overall. So I um, certainly hate to miss him, but glad he left a, a, a great legacy of people who he has trained and, and literature. He wrote a lot for uh, online publications and, and then also his book. So, yeah. And I still get the, and nothing against the other writers on the tactical wire, I think it is, but they used to have Tiger on there every other week, I think it was and his articles. And uh, I always look forward to his articles. Um, I wish I'd kept every one of them. They're still putting them out there sometimes. Um, I know Dave Spalding's on there as well, another good a good read and a great trainer, but uh, uh, Tiger McKee is sorely missed, that's for sure. Maybe I'll – I've said before, maybe I'll, I'll commit to it here on, on, on in public uh, that I think it'd be a good idea to 
put together sort of a compilation of of his work uh, online. I, I think that uh, David Yamani did that for Dr. William April, who we've talked about before after he passed, uh, just an easy way to access a lot of his work. So uh, hopefully I, I can find some time to put that together on our website sometime soon. I think that would be a, 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 a great, great thing to do um, because he was uh he was very unique and uh you know like i said he'll be missed and it'd be nice if somebody could put it together yeah somewhere yeah um one of the things i'll go ahead and mention in, in terms of somebody's legacy and what how they trained and what their teaching was and how it lived on is colonel jeff cooper who's sort of the founder of the modern technique of the pistol the modern pistol technique i'm not sure which way those words go uh, but he founded gunsight he's passed as well former military guy uh he was lieutenant colonel in the marine corps um founder of gunsight it's still ongoing gunsight is um but one of his and I, what i'm kind of talking about here is foundational books i talked about the nra basic of pistol shooting tiger mckee's book i think another kind of basic book it's not very small but it's called the uh, principles of personal defense by Jeff Cooper. Um, it's sort of general, but it just talks about what he thinks are the most important principles with respect to self-defense, personal responsibility, which leads us to freedom. Um, and he just basically talks about several principles, alertness, decisiveness, aggressiveness, speed, coolness, ruthlessness, and surprise. Um, so it's a good read. It's a good book. And you know, it's simple, but when I read it, I was just reading a little passage a while ago. Um, they're so true though. Sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. And this is one of those books that makes sure you get the forest before you start looking at the trees. I was talking to a, a dog trainer in the last episode, and we talked about how so often people have a tendency to jump, jump ahead to formal commands when they're training their, their dog and, and they forget the basics. They forget the fundamentals. And that is so true in the firearms world as well. People forget the fundamentals. They want to jump to to clearing rooms and shooting from the car and shooting from awkward position. You got to get the fundamentals down first. And, and these are great resources to, to start out with, to, to get those down, to master yeah. the fundamentals. Yeah. I'll pick on the YouTube thing again. Yeah. You know, what do you see on there? Somebody laying down on the ground with their AR shooting under a car. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm not, not saying you people shouldn't do that, but it's about the principles first. Yeah. Um, it's about the basics. There really are no advanced skills, right? Yeah. It's one thing Tiger taught us. It's mastery of the fundamentals. That's yeah. what advanced, that's what advancement means yeah. is mastery of the fundamentals. So Mike, we've talked about history with Stephen Hallbrook a little bit. We've talked about sort of the, the fundamentals of uh, marksmanship and, and uh, gun handling and the principles of self-defense. Uh, it looks like you've got a few other categories of books here. Uh, it looks like we've got maybe mindset here and, and uh, then more legal genre. I think those are pretty two decent categories. You want to talk about maybe mindset first and then. Yeah. Are these, uh, the first one I think is more, is mindset, but it's, it's about, you know, we always talk about awareness and avoidance or keys uh, more important mm -hmm. um, than a training thing that most, that than most of us uh, spends enough time for. What I'm trying to say is we don't devote enough time to those areas of awareness and avoidance. One of the books that I think is a good thing, once again, a foundational book to start with, is Gavin DeBecker. It's a pretty old book. This is not the latest version, um, but it's Gavin DeBecker's book, Gift of Fear. Um, this is really not a firearms book. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you Gavin Becker is not necessarily a pro-firearms person necessarily. Yeah, he's really not. To the extent that we are anyway. Right. Um, he may 
well, whatever. I mean, it's just a good, I'm not going to comment on his policy. He favors far more government regulation than we do. Yeah, probably but. thinks it's better for the government or government agents to have firearms than we do. But anyway, um, solely for them to have them. But anyway, it's still a good book. And, and basically what it's about is, and it's geared more towards women, but it's about uh, trusting our intuition. You know, our intuition has developed as human beings over millions of years to help us survive. Okay. Um, and that's sort of a change mechanism in our, just our psyche or our mental awareness. And what, basically what it says is it, it, he goes to, he recounts a lot of stories, a lot of them about women. Some of them turn out well, some of them don't turn out well, but it's about all the clues that we gather subconsciously from our environment that gives us this feeling of danger or not danger. And sometimes we ignore that. Um, we've, we've got this notion or this, this uh, inclination to have normalization bias, and that is to think everything's normal and there's nothing. We try to convince ourselves that things are normal. But what we ought to be doing maybe is listening more to that fundamental intuition we have that's been developed over eons that helps us avoid being eaten by other animals yeah. is what it amounts to. Right. Yeah, and, and these are these are instincts, like you said, that have – been de developed and refined uh, as a survival mechanism, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, obviously the if, you know the Darwinian sort of theory <laughs> of evolution. You know, the the people with the best instinct are the ones that have survived, right? So those are the sort of uh, instincts that we should pay more attention to. Yep, and not ignore them in the modern world. Um, another one, a book I'll just not real real briefly. It's called Left to Bang. It's a it's a little more mod. It's a little more. Uh, it's later in time than Gavin De Becker's book, I think. But it, to a great extent, it's based upon the war on terror and what happened in the Middle East and, uh, and how uh, soldiers and Marines and sailors, too, um, were able to use clues in their environment and context to understand danger. Right. Well, and it's interesting, right, because uh, in the Middle East, they couldn't necessarily tell an enemy from an, an ordinary mm -hmm. civilian, right? So they had to understand what sort of context clues they had, what environmental clues they had to to survive and to, to identify a bad person, identify the enemy. But I, I find this area of uh, uh, awareness and, and clues, um, one of the books I didn't bring up uh, is, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, he wrote the book. He was ahead of the FBI. Nonverbal communications area and trade FBI agents. It, it's called what everybody is saying, mm -hmm. and what he means by body is your human body. Mm -hmm. um, it's it was it's a book. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. I'll no, get it for you, and you can put it in the links. But it is a really really good book too uh, to help you understand how you can read people, and, and it's not looking at people you know like they do on TV. Oh, is he lying or not lying? It's not about that sort of thing. Joan Navarro. Joan Navarro. It's a great book. I think I loaned it to somebody and I didn't get it back. Maybe I'm not sure where it's at in my life, but it's a good book. Uh, I would suggest that you, that you read that one too. If you're a lawyer, it's sort of an interesting book as mm -hmm. well. and be able to read body language. Yeah. yeah somebody who's on the witness stand, for mm -hmm. instance, right. but it's, a, it's a very good book. And I would commend that, commend that book to you once again, in the area of aware, awareness and avoidance, because we want to avoid the next thing we want to talk about is if you are aware and despite your awareness skills, um, and despite the fact that you've done everything you can to try to avoid a violent commerce, uh, a violent uh, situation, you need to understand from a training standpoint, what may happen to you in that violent encounter. 
Uh, mentally because, and physically. Mentally and physically, because the more we know about whatever is going to happen to us, the better we are able to deal with that situation in the moment. Okay. And that may be a first aid situation. It may be a violent encounter. It may be any other, um, any other emergency that you can think of, but that's one of the things that we have to be uh, prepared uh, to understand what's going to happen to us psychologically and physically. And one of the best books for that is by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. It's called on combat. I'm not sure this is the current right cover cover or whatever. Uh, The information is going to be, the same, but he was a, uh, a, a he was a former Army Ranger. I, th- I think he was a lieutenant colonel and a, prof- a psychology professor at West Point. Um, I think he's still. Um, where was the NRA last year? Where did we go? He was speaking there still. I think. Well, he he speaks uh-huh. every every year. He was okay every year at the NRA annual meeting. He gives a I think it's a three hour it's a lecture, long sem- yeah, and lecture. he and I think he gives it three or four times uh, at least. At least twice, I think three times throughout the the the, um, the convention. So yeah. it's a wonderful seminar. If you can go, you should certainly attend. But this one talks about basically. I mean, it's called on combat, and obviously, a lot of the scenarios that he talks about, and a lot of the psychological reactions and physio physiological reactions that people have to combat are the same sort of reactions that you're going to have if you're involved in a some kind of violent encounter on the street or in your home or anywhere else. So I, I can't emphasize enough. I know how much time we have here, but I can't emphasize enough how much I believe based upon taking his seminars, reading his mm-hmm. books, listening to other people, talking to other people and experiences I've had that it's just so true that if you can be in this situation and say, I knew this could happen and I know what to do versus this is surreal. How many times do you hear on the news? It was surreal. Mm-hmm. No, we want you to have the mindset so that you can say, I knew this could happen and I know what to do. That's what training is all about. And by understanding what can happen to you in those violent encounters, those high stress encounters, um, it'll help you deal with those things. Yeah. Yeah. And another, it's not a book, but uh, if you take training with Masad Ayub, and we're going to talk about Masad Ayub uh, here shortly, he talks about Alexis Artwall, yeah. and sh- she has a publication that basically goes through the sorts of physiological reactions that you might have during a violent encounter, a life or death situation, and that could be a, a violent encounter with a, somebody who's attacking you. That might be a car accident. Uh, they're the same sorts of reactions that you may face in each situation. But like you said, Mike, if you, if you can anticipate those sorts of physiological responses ahead of time, you're more likely to be able to cope with them. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about Dr. Artwald and, um, let's see Masad's book, straight talk on armed defense, but I'm going to talk about her and William April as well, who's deceased, unfortunately. So, but anyway, the other book that, um, Dave Grossman wrote, along with Lauren Christensen and um, Michael Askin, is called Warrior Mindset. Warrior Mindset. It's sort of a parallel book to On Combat, but those two books, I think, are, in my mind, they're required reading um, to get you in the right frame of mind to understand what might happen to you mm-hmm. in that violent encounter. Mm-hmm. And be that person that says, I know what to do. I knew this could happen. I know what to do. All right. So how much time do we have? No, we, we have time. We're okay. about 34 minutes in, so we can we can go a little bit longer here. But we've talked about history and firearms handling and marksmanship and um, mindset and, and awareness and avoidance. 
uh, next is kind of, I think we're going to talk about Masada Yub next, right? Is that I see he's the next stack. Uh, and he's got kind of a, a broad range. It's a little mix of everything really, except history. There's not much history here, but some, uh, some history. So anyway, we'll, let's get into some of his books. What are a few of Masada yeah, this is sort of the, that you would recommend? We're getting into a little bit of the legal genre. And I guess the first thing that I want to mention is not his first book, but one of what, and it's not actually, he did more of the editing, I think, than the writing because it, there were contributions by a number of authors. And if you want to, if you're just starting out on your training mission or your training journey, um, or even if you're not, this is a great book because there are authors, this is called Straight Talk on Armed Defense. Okay, and their contributing authors are six. It looks like there are 12. William April, um, who's great. We've talked about him before. We've trained with him before he passed with um, um, Greg Elifritz. Greg Elifritz up mm -hmm. in uh, Ohio. Uh, Alexis Artwall, uh, Masada Yub, Spencer Blue, uh, Ron Borsch, Craig Douglas. This is a who's who of trainers uh jim fleming tom givens marty hayes john hearn uh chief uh harvey hedden and dr anthony simone s-e-m-o-n-e -E. um so this is a great book and it covers uh, all these authors have their own specialties in the area of self-defense or armed response and this is a great book to get you just a wide variety of experience on all kinds of things that you ought to be thinking about if you're going to take the responsibility of being your own first responder okay Excellent. about that. I don't think we want to go into each chapter, but I can tell no, you. No, no. I really enjoyed the book. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could, I think in a separate episode, maybe break down some of the chapters in the book, but uh, yeah, you for know, now, I think we'll, we'll leave it at, at that. But this is one of those books, I think, along with Jeff Cooper's Principles of Personal Defense, is a good idea to go back and read again every yeah. few years. Yeah. So the next... Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those books that kind of gets to, to a lot of the fundamentals, right? It's one it's of those the things. fundamentals and it's timeless. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the next book, speaking of timeless, uh, I think, and no offense to his other books, but Massad's books. And by the way, Massad's still training. He teaches uh, a plethora of courses. Kind of the heart of his courses is what's called Mag Forty, which is forty hours of training, uh, and that's where you can get a lot of these same principles. And you ought to do that training, but you also ought to read this book. This is a little dated, but <clears throat> so is the Constitution. It's probably the best document we have. Um, but this is still a great book. It's filled with principles and kind of the basics of self-defense, the legal portion of it. When you're justified to use deadly force in defense of yourself or another. You hold innocent, it up just a little bit there. Sorry, yeah, there you defense go. of yourself or another innocent person. So that's what I think is a great first read, particularly when you want to get into the legal aspects of when you're um, going to be justified under the law and using self-defense. Excellent. It's kind of one of his later books, kind of an update of that. Is and then once again, these colors are not right, and these book this book face is not right. I think it's a different whatever art design, but it's called Deadly Force Understanding Your Right to Self Defense, and it integrates some newer uh cases and things like that, like the Zimmerman case that uh, was down in Florida. That's been a long time ago, but integrate integrates some newer um facts, but the principles are all essentially the same, yeah. Okay. Yep, the, the I looked up the the book here. the The book cover did change, but but I'll uh, link to the updated yeah book. Yeah, um, mine's not the, up to date. The second edition. Yeah, and there's probably some additional information in the second edition that I'm not aware of. Yeah. But anyway, I would definitely read that for sure. Yeah. Um, another 
if you want me to keep going. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I think is a good read, I apologize because it's not the right edition, but Andrew Branca is an attorney and an expert in the in self-defense, national expert. Um, he has podcasts and all kinds of stuff out there. You can find him. But this is a great book, and I think you can get this from him for like, I don't know, three or four. I think sometimes he runs a special. Maybe it's all the time. You just pay for shipping, and you, he sends you the book. Um, but it's a great book. And once again, it breaks down an area of the law that can be incredibly complicated uh, and can and can seem to be very different from state to state. Uh, it, it can be different from state to state. It is different from state to state, but maybe not as different as you think. Uh, and you can learn standards, which is one thing we do in our five, five and a half hour class that we teach. We try to teach a standard just like Masada Yub does. And uh, Andrew does it in this book as well, a standard that you can use basically all over the country. And I think his book is a great read. I don't know what edition he's on now. I know the second edition is not the most up to date, though. He, he, he's he got uh, the law of self-defense. He's got a podcast He's got a, where he releases regular content on, on YouTube and I think on Rumble and and uh, also by podcast. But there are he's also got this membership program. I'm not familiar with his membership program, but uh, he also teaches the law of self-defense in a state-specific way. uh, So you can Mm -hmm. take the online class. Uh, That, I think, might be beneficial and of interest to quite a few people. So certainly read his book. But if you're interested in his online classes, I think those can be really valuable for folks as well. Okay. Or they could take our class whenever we do it again, which I don't know. For Indiana, but we don't don't teach it as many states as he does. Uh, Although we do teach, I think, a principle that's generally going to be – applicable to wherever you're at. Yep. One other book that's sort of a little different, and once again, gosh darn, you can tell how old I am because everybody I refer to is dead, it seems like. Um, or not everybody, but some. Jim Fleming, he's got a book called Aftermath, Lessons in Self-Defense, um, What to Expect When the Shooting Stops. Um, and I think it's a good it's a good book because it gives a different perspective sometimes. Actually, he has a little different perspective than what Masada Yuv does about, for instance, what do you do uh, when the police show up, the initial responders? Mm-hmm. Do you talk to them? Do you not talk to them? Do you stay absolutely silent? Those sorts of things. And I won't get into that here today. But he gives a different perspective as a trial attorney about what you might re- expect if you are forced or required to use deadly force in defense of your life or the defense of another innocent person. So I think it's a good read. And just particularly if you're not a lawyer, it gives you a, a kind of what to expect in a criminal matter. And here's the other thing. Uh, it also gives you a good background so you can kind of sort out about if you hear about a case in the media, it kind of helps you sort out whether the media is reporting things correctly or not, or it kind of helps you be a better consumer of legal news as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I we've gotten through your stack there, Mike, but I, I know that's not an exhaustive list by any stretch, right? I mean, there are uh, lots of excellent uh, books related to the Second Amendment and to the right to keep and bear arms, but also to, to, to mindset, to marksmanship, gun handling, uh, and basically anything related to, to the right to keep and bear arms. Yep. But uh, I think this is a great place to start for folks just to get through. These materials would take most folks quite a while, but I think these are a great, great place to start. I, I've got a separate stack over here. I'm not going to go through all of them. Some of them are the same. One, I'll mention uh, this 
uh, author was also on the podcast, Jacob Hornberger, The Tyranny of Gun Control, I think is a fantastic uh, history book uh, and philosophy book as well uh, along the lines of Stephen Holbrook. He's also an attorney, uh, an economist, historian. Uh, great, great book. You can see it's not very big, but I think this gets to the fundamental issue much more quickly than than many books and I think is an excellent excellent resource. So The Tyranny of Gun Control by Jacob Hornberger. Again, he was on the podcast uh, not too long ago. I'll, I'll link to that as well. I think it was episode 60. Yep, it was episode 60. The other one, I want to mention uh, More Guns, Less Crime, and this is by John Lott. He's got uh, more recent books out, uh, Gun Control Myths, and uh, what's the other one? Let's see here, I've got it. The War on Guns, both also very good books, but sort of his seminal work was More Guns, Less Crime, I think is an excellent book about just sort of dispelling this notion that if we have more guns, there's going to be more gun crime and a, a more dangerous world. And I think that that's a counterintuitive to lots of folks, that that's actually not the case, that it really is true that an armed society is a polite society and that where people can go armed for their own defense, uh, criminals are more hesitant to commit crime. Yeah, it's interesting. He He's one of those guys that speaks at the NRA conference, which is going to be in Dallas next year. Um, and he also has a an e email newsletter that he sends out that's good to, to uh, subscribe to as well. Yeah, his uh, his social media is, is good too if you don't like the email newsletter. I know a lot of people don't like uh, my inbox is full. I get his newsletter, but a lot of people don't. Uh, he's also active on Facebook and, and Twitter, so uh, definitely check out Crime Research. I like his newsletter because if you've got a particular interest in something that's in the news over the last month or two, he's probably addressed it. His, his, newsletter, his newsletter is excellent, uh, no doubt about it, so check it out if uh, if you're interested in the newsletter. Along the same lines, uh, there's this book I actually got at Gun Rights Policy Conference from the Second Amendment Foundation. It's called The Seven Myths of Gun Control by Richard Poe. And uh, this is an excellent book, uh, again, sort of dispelling a lot of the notions that you hear from the media about, oh, this is a uniquely American thing when they're talking about these mass killings or that look what happened in Australia. They don't have this sort of thing. It's not true. And these, those sorts of uh, myths are dispelled in this book by Richard Poe. I'm, I'm taking the ones I haven't read. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to see if Doris will read them to me. Yeah, there, there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we will uh, – I'll do my best to link to all these in the show notes, uh, most of them anyway. And, uh, of course, I would also want to uh, – I'm going to let you chime in here in just a second, Mike. Uh, encourage people to read the monthly newsletter from – Rangemaster, of course, that's not a book, but the uh, newsletter from Rangemaster is fantastic. The weekend knowledge dump from Greg Elifritz is amazing. He he links to a lot of great resources, and then the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, their week or monthly newsletter is also uh, fantastic. It's very very good. Uh, I was that's one thing I was going to mention was ACLDN's newsletter that comes out every month. They make it free to everybody, whether you're a member or not. I think right. Anybody yes. can read it. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's free and it's worth more than a whole lot more than free. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is if you, now you don't get this unless you're a member, but our friends at ACLDN, if you become a member, 
of Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, and we won't go into what that's about. You should check it out. We're members. Uh, actually, ours are complimentary because we're affiliate attorneys, but we were paying members before we became affiliate attorneys. I made that decision. Um, but there used to be DVDs. I'm not sure how they um, transfer the videos now, but when you become a member, there are a series of DVDs that are very, 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 very good. And I think that if you get nothing else out of that membership, those DVDs are worth the price of admission by far, if they're still DVDs, however they get them to you. Yeah. But uh, those things are great as well. And then one last thing I'll mention. One of the things that I have uh, gained, enor I, I think, um, enormous knowledge from is uh, Gun Talk by Tom Gresham. It's a weekly radio show. I think it's three hours as radio goes. It's three hours on radio. It's really not three hours because you have commercials, but there are three, whatever they come out to, 40-minute, 45-minute segments, and they are very good. They talk about current topics. Now, I've got to admit, there are some advertising on there. Somebody, ABC Gun Company gets on there and talks about their latest gun. Okay, whatever. If you're interested in that, that's fine. But there, there's a lot of good information on there that I know I wouldn't know about if I hadn't uh, spent the time to listen to him. Um, and well, that's how we found out about Tiger McKee. There you go. That's, uh, gun, that's exactly gun right. Gun Talk. So I would highly recommend Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Uh, if you can't listen to it on the radio, which some people won't because it's not carried locally, you can get the podcast. Just listen to whatever, Apple something. And guess what? How, how do we find out about ACLDN and Masada U? There Tiger McKee. Yep, Tiger so McKee. Gun Talk, Tiger McKee, it's a funnel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and obviously, Gun Talk is the beginning of that funnel for lots of people, and it was for us to at least a certain degree. Yeah, so in Tom Gresham, it's just, I mean, there's I, there's hardly anything I would disagree with him about. Um, except maybe his, sometimes he's a little bit more critical of Farms Policy Coalition, I think, than I, <laughs> than I like. But anyway. You like their uh, vulgarity. I like, I like Farms, Poly, uh, Farms Policy Coalition a lot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so check that out. One other thing, I'm, uh, Greg Elifritz, I mentioned his weekly knowledge dump or his weekend knowledge dump. He's got a great website, Active Response Training, and on his website, he has a recommended reading list where he lists some of the same books that we've listed here, some that uh, he doesn't have some of them, but he, he lists quite a few that we didn't, and it's a pretty extensive list. I'll link to his list as well. Uh, I know that he has – this is not every book he's read by any stretch. He would only include books here that he knows are, are top-notch quality content, so – uh, I'll, I'll link to his website for that as well. Yeah, and he's one of those. He's one of those guys that if he says it, it's well researched, well reasoned, and it's hard to. I, I mean, I can't. I don't know of anything that I would challenge him on as far as what I read. But his stuff is active response training website. Or his website is awesome place for information. All right. Well, I hope uh, I hope our listeners were uh, learned a little bit from. Some of our suggestions here today maybe got some inspiration for some books to look into or to, to purchase as gifts uh, for Christmas, which is, of course, just around the corner. It's already November 12th. The last thing I want to mention before we close up the show is that uh, Lawrence Reed uh, was on the show some time ago. I think it was it was episode 40. I've got it here in front of me. Episode 40, Lawrence Reed was on the show to talk about his book, Are We Good Enough for Liberty? And this is not a gun-related episode. It was a more broadly freedom-related episode. But just, we're recording this on Sunday, so yesterday would have been Saturday, November the 11th. He was awarded the Grand Cross of the Order of Merit uh, by the country of Poland, uh, which is the highest honor bestowed upon a foreigner by 
by Poland. And that was for his work that he did in Poland during the 80s and, and after the fall of the Soviet Union as well. But he was actually incarcerated uh, in, in Poland for his work with the underground liberation movement there. And it was, uh, he, like I said, he was awarded uh, this award yesterday, November the 11th. By the time this is released, it would have been two days ago. But I will link to the announcement about that as well. But the there's a paragraph in his speech that I just wanted to read here in closing, and I, I think it's uh, it's important. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Um, you know you're going to read this, and I'm going to have a comment. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I had this pulled up here, and I lost my spot. All right. While you're looking for it, can I say something? Sure. That? We had the opportunity to go to Poland this summer, and I really, really enjoyed it. I'd never been to Poland before, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I remember going to Eastern Bloc countries. I was Doris and I were in the military and in the Army, and we were in Europe when the wall came down. Uh, and we got to travel to some Eastern Bloc countries after that, not Poland. I remember Czechoslovakia in, um, very distinctly going there after the wall came down. And I remember Poland this summer. Um, and it's always interesting that um, folks that have not, where their countries or their families have not had the opportunity to enjoy the freedom that we take for granted and is slowly and insipidously uh, slipping away in this country, it's amazing how much they appreciate it um, because they can remember when they didn't have it and when there was tyranny. So. Um, Anyway, I just thought it just what makes it reminds me of that ch traveling to those countries and how much they appreciated just the freedom. So I found the the spot here. Uh, this is his acceptance speech, and I and I wanted to share it because it fits into the sort of the broader purpose of this podcast. Uh, and it, you know, obviously, the forge of freedom. We want uh, we we believe that freedom is easily lost, just like you've been talking about. Uh, you know that it sort of wilts away little by little uh, unless people stand up to protect it. And he says, in a sense, I must share this honor with the millions of brave Polish men and women I admire whose courage inspired me during my first visit to this great country 37 years ago this month. The history of the late 1980s shows conclusively that Polish courage played a major indispensable role in the liberation of Eastern Europe. I saw it firsthand during my time here in November 1986. The vast underground resistance to communist rule led directly to the historic free elections of June 1989, the first big crack in the edifice of what President Reagan aptly dubbed the evil empire. What I saw in 1986 was not new for Poland. Your country's history is a tapestry of courage. You endured and resisted foreign-imposed socialism for decades. Before that, you made the Nazis pay dearly for every inch of Poland. Before that, you stopped Lenin's drive to subjugate Europe. And for 123 years, when there was no Poland, Poles showed the world how a repressed and occupied people stand up to tyrants until freedom and independence are won. And so I just wanted to share that with you, partly as a... Uh, and, an honor to, to Lawrence Reed. I think that it's a well-deserved honor for his efforts there. But what he says here, I think is important that they showed the polls did the world, how repressed and occupied people stand up to tyrants 
until freedom and independence are won. And obviously we're not in that situation here yet, but it's happening little by little. And we have to stand up more than they're they're putting us down or else we're going to end up uh, in a situation where we are repressed and occupied people. And uh, freedom, it's not passed on through the bloodstream. That used to be part of my intro to this show. Uh, it's something that has to be preserved and fought for generation to generation. So, so don't rest on the laurels of United States freedom uh, because it's becoming less and less each day. Uh, so with that said, uh, thanks for listening to the episode. I uh, hope you learned something. We'll link to all these books in the episode along with this article uh, about Lawrence Reed and his uh, the honor he received in Poland. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't uh, forget to like and subscribe to help us spread the message of freedom. And until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forge of Freedom. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to connect with Alex, you can go to forgeoffreedom.com or follow him on Twitter at Forge of Freedom. Until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.